This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Hello and welcome to Rookie and Nice, the new podcast from BBC Good Food. My name is Miriam Nice. And I'm Nadia Zirfat, also known as the Rookie Chef. Unlike Miriam, I'm right at the start of my cooking journey. My day-to-day job is replying to your feedback and talking to you on our social media channels. Whereas I've been working in food and food writing for many years, including the last six at BBC Good Food. In this series, we're joining forces to deep dive into a recipe with an expert guest and help answer your cookery questions too. While I learn how to perfect a new dish, each week Miriam will be finding out how and when it's served and who to. Join us as we learn all about some of our favourite dishes and uncover some great cookery tips direct from the experts. Welcome to the last episode of the series, How Time Flies. And to mark this occasion, we've chosen a recipe that's incredibly popular and loved by us and so many of our readers and listeners. We certainly have. In this episode, we're talking all about scones or scones, as some say. And with us, joining us from down the line from Harrogate in North Yorkshire, is catering and cookery school innovation manager, Lisa Benison from the famous Betty's Tea Room and Cookery School. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. How are you? Thank you. Uh, Really well, thank you. I'm really excited. I'm actually in Betty's Harrogate today doing some innovation, so um, I feel very lucky to be back in a branch as well, so it's doubly exciting today. Oh, is it your first day back? or I've kind of done a little bit of kind of um, in my own development kitchen, but this is getting ready for branches reopening, so I'm back. I'm back in Betty's, and sun is shining, and people are milling around, and yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, so talking scones, being in Betty's, I'm in heaven. Oh, (laughs) So the first question I was actually going to ask you, is it scones or scones? And you say scones. I did say scones. And I think my mom says it's posh, but I'm Yorkshire and it's like scones. So yeah, for me, it's a scone. Yeah, it's a scone for me. Yeah, I'm a Yorkshire lass and it's a scone. I feel like I change. I, I sort of go between the two and I don't, I, I'm not really conscious of what I usually go for. But what about you, Miriam? I, I think I'm the same. I think I say scones. But yeah, I probably occasionally say scones. Oh, I don't know now. I'll probably catch myself saying both. <laughs> it's, when somebody, it's like scone sounds really posh. 
Scones. Yeah, well, scones because you're getting more. It's not like getting scones. I'm getting loads of them. Whereas scone, <laughs> you're only getting one. <laughs> Brilliant. And tell us about you and your role at Betty's, please. Yeah. So I've worked for Betty's for um, 33 years, and wow. um, I came as a catering um, assistant from Catering College. So Betty's was my first work placement, um, and I kind of went in on a Saturday, you know, making coffees and lattes and toasting tea cakes. And um, I kind of finished the end of my catering, and I thought I'll stay for a bit till I get a proper job, a proper chef job. And um, I stayed for about 15 years doing various roles. Um, I took a little mini break to go and learn how to be um, a head chef in a local restaurant because I felt like it was a skill I needed. Um, and then the cookery school opened kind of nearly 18 years ago, so kind of transgressed into um, working in the cookery school and then leading the cookery school. So, I mean, everything to do with food, from serving it, creating it, um, demonstrating it. So, yeah, and yeah, 33 years later, I'm in a new role. In about a year, I've started more of the innovation side for Betty. So I brought all my hats together um, for the love of food. So, yeah, I'm very, very lucky to have a fantastic job. That nice sounds like well. such an incredible career and such an exciting role as well. Um, so we asked our Facebook group, BBC Good Food Together, if they had any questions about scones. And they had some brilliant ones. They were absolutely loads. So, um would you mind answering a few of them for us? I'd love to. I'd love to have a go. I, I hope there's no tricky ones, but I'll have a go. <laughs> so um, Babs asked, do, do you use milk or buttermilk in your recipe? Well, I think it's a good question. I think it can vary. So I think scones, scones. Um, <laughs> there's so many different recipes out there and we can be a bit intimidated. I think the number one rule I would say is whatever the recipe says, whoever's created it have put together those ingredients for a reason. So self-raising flour would be okay with just milk, where if it was a plain flour with a bicarbonate soda, it needs a reaction of the buttermilk. So there's so many variables, you know, stick within it. But I, I mean, for me, I like buttermilk because I think it brings a sourness and because it's a live culture as well it reacts with the raising agents in the flour and the bicarbonate soda so you do get a bit more of a, a fizzier lift so if I had choice I think I would go buttermilk and um Hannah asked where did fat rascals get their name from <laughs> fat rascals so fat rascals were created oh well it's a Yorkshire recipe already but Betty's have kind of you know adopted it and made it completely our own and um I think when we were we developed them I say god a long time ago now um, they're quite a lot. I don't know if you've seen a fat rascal. It's quite a good, a good eat. It's a good size. And they kind of felt a little bit undressed. So they needed something to kind of make them, um, you know, kind of stand out. They, they created a face. Um, and, you know, they're a little bit plump. So the fat rascal is cheeky. Um, it just, can't, yeah. And it's got a little face. It's got little cherry eyes and it's little uh, three, three, three teeth. So, yeah, it, it, it needed a face. So it became, it became the, uh, the fat rascal. Love that. Ingrid asked, is there much demand for vegan or gluten-free scones? Absolutely. And, it, and it's a growing um, market for us. So um, we have to be very mindful that we're not, a, um, we call it NGCI here at Betty's, which is non-gluten containing because we don't have a gluten-free environment. And it's really you know, important that we, we have to segregate that. So we're trying to develop as mindfully as we can, um, creating more and more products that can be um, NGCI or, or, or gluten-free in the, in the marketplace. And vegan, absolutely. You know, If somebody wants to come to Betty's for afternoon tea, there's, there's nothing worse than exclusion so you know three you're having a full uh, betty's experience and our afternoon tea where you want to be able to have another option of that so yeah we are consistently looking at 
uh, vegan and NGCI uh, on our menu. And yes, yeah, scones work really, really well. So they, they get a lift of stuff, but it's trying to recreate from the buttermilk, what can you put in to kind of get that same type of um, behaviour. And uh, Ingrid also asked, what unusual flavours have you tried and were they surprisingly popular? Ooh, yes. So um, oh, I don't know if I should dare say this, but even though I work for Betty's, I'm a savoury girl rather than a sweet girl. Um, and I do like that balance of uh, things with quite a lot of strong flavour. So one of my favourite scones would be a um, parmesan and walnut scone, which I would serve with parma ham and uh, cream cheese. So that really kind of plays into that um, lovely flavour. And even like uh, sun-dried tomatoes and olives. I mean, I love the fact that a scone is... And I think it originated from Scotland, which was really um, a fast cake. It was a fast cake or fast bread. And it, it can use up leftovers. So whatever you've got in the fridge, you can be really, real creative. So, yeah, it's a real carrier of flavour. So you can go absolutely mad. But for me, a little bit of savoury over sweet, I think I prefer. Do you know what? I've never had a savoury one. <gasps> I'm just thinking about it now. I know. Lived. You haven't I lived, know. mate. Miriam, please, can you make me one? Because I feel like <laughs> you'll you'll come up with a really creative... Actually, let's just go to Betty's. I think that's the best yeah. bet for us. We have, yeah. um, we <laughs> have a rarebit scone. So I don't know if you heard of Betty's oh. Yorkshire rarebit. So it's cheese, mustard, beer. So that's already in a scone. So And for me, I, I tend to have a scone alongside a bowl of soup as well because um, instead of having bread, why, have it, why not have a savoury scone? So yeah, um, yeah, they go really, really well together. That rabbit one sounds right up my street. Definitely. <laughs> um, Julie asked, top tips for them to not flatten out? Really good question. So with a scone, you have to cheat them almost at the beginning. If you start with a biscuit, you'll finish with a biscuit. So you need to almost imagine they're only going to come up by a third. So um, trying to trying to give them a bit more than you would. So don't be tight. Don't get more out. Like you get, you get 24 when actually you could get, you know, 15 really good plump scones. Uh, and when you're cutting them... Try not to twist. So when you put the, the, the cutter in, as you twist them, it creates a swirl and it almost helps them tipple over. So just chop them through. Um, and the recipe that we've, we've sent to you today as well is we've used a knife. So actually you're just cutting without kind of twisting. So it's another way to try and get um, a, a good straight up scone. And also when you, when you coat them with egg and you put a bit of egg wash on, if you have too much dripping down the sides, and it doesn't really, it tightens the scone and they don't move up. So just be really conscious just to get the tops. That's really handy because Rosie Allen asked, what's the best alternative to use as a scone cutter if you don't have one? So you use a knife in the recipe then? I use a knife in the recipe and again, from being a Yorkshire lass, um, when, when you're cutting out your scones, you, you, get, your, you, get, your, you get your best, don't they? So you get, your, you get your nine and then you kind of roll them back in a ball and you get your kind of chef's treats that you kind of have in the kitchen. Whereas if you cut them with a knife, there's no wastage, so you just cut your triangle. So again, you know, you're not you're not having you're getting your best scones with with a cutter. We're just using a knife just to cut through them. And you also mentioned egg wash. So Karen asked, is egg wash better than just a milk wash, or is it personal preference? I think um, it depends on the colour. So egg will always glaze darker. So on a steak pie, you tend to put, uh, you know, just egg. Whereas you had a bit of milk, it also makes it travel further. So don't you ever put egg wash on your on its own and it looks a bit streaky. It kind of looks like you've, you've missed a little bit of your coating. So by having egg and milk, you get the best of both worlds. It travels and also creates a really good colour. So for me, a little bit of uh, a little bit of milk or an egg, it would be would be the perfect finish. Rebecca asked, is it better to heat the tray up before cooking them? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I've never done that, actually, personally, but I can imagine it will work because it's a little bit like a Yorkshire pudding. It gets heat from the bottom straight away, and they're in for such a short bake, so a bit like bread, I think um, it probably, yeah, I think that's a, I'm going to try that, and I'll let you know. But it sounds like a very good reason it would work really, really well to, to send the scones up straight away. Karen asked, I make cheese scones that have great rise, but I can't get my fruit scones to do the same. Where am I going wrong? So the 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 weight of the individual ingredients can can make quite an impact on your on your on your fruit cakes or on your scones. So um, and also fruit tends to be um, a stealer rather than a giver. So if you have dried fruits, they tend to take some of the moisture away, which reduces the steam to plump up your scone. So if you plump up your fruits before you put them into your scone, soak them in some orange juice or some Yorkshire tea to get your sultana flavours going in, then you'll get a plumper scone. And if you've got quite big bits, just chop them through. So good distribution, small particles, stops the weight of the scone staying down. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. I'm sort of trying to remember all these tips and then I realise we're on a podcast and I can just listen back next time I make them. So this is really helpful. (laughs) Very good reason to have a podcast. (laughs) Rachel asked how to make them fluffy and not overmix them. Mine never come together well. That's a really good question as well. So I I, I love the fact that scones is really, really simple ingredients. I remember my uh, cookery school teacher when I was at college encouraging us all to lift our hands out of the bowl. So you're rubbing with your fingertips and not the palms of your hands. Um, And the reason we do that is, yes, it does aerate the scone ever so slightly, but it's got a lot to do with temperature. So the tips of our fingers remain cold as we're working through them. When we start to use the palm of our hands, we start to uh, work with the fats and when the fat in a scone swaps place, so how do I describe this? So when you get nice and breadcrumb on it and it looks really soft and breadcrumby, when it starts to go to cookie dough and it gets really oily, the fat tends to go on the outside of the flour and it can weigh down the scone. So keeping it nice and light, just bringing it together, like scones do not want to be overworked. So it's working with that just enough water to create steam, but not too much that it weighs it down. And it is practice. I think once you've hit that sweet spot of, oh my God, I always get perfect scones, you know, just get brave, but don't overwork your dough. Keep your hands out the heat and keep it nice and, and nice and light. I think it's nice what you say about them being quite simple, because I remember they were one of the first things I ever baked. I think it was GCSE catering, maybe. And I was just, how, how does something so delicious come from such a simple recipe? But there is a lot of technique that you need to get right to get the perfect ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like 10 minutes preparation, 10 minutes in the oven, uh, and, and, and and kind of five minutes of heaven. Like there's something really quick to get on the table. So I'm, I'm a bit of a, I like to prep ahead type of person as well. So I tend to have bags of the dry mix in my cupboard. So if you've got friends coming around and hopefully we're getting more friends coming around now, you got, if you're weighing out one, weigh out five bags. And then next time you've got a guest, there's your milk, your eggs, and then you're straight into the oven. So I, I get ahead as well. And Debbie asked, what is the reaction of visitors from overseas who don't know scones in their country? Ooh, what's the reaction? I think 
particularly for us at Betty's, we have such a diverse people coming to Betty's from all over the world and afternoon tea is just synonymous, you know, coming to to, to England. Um, and I think they were surprised how... Um, how delicious and light they are, how they complement the whole experience for afternoon tea. If I'm really honest, I think what makes a scone really amazing is when you put all the clotted cream and the jam with it. So it's literally, scones are amazing, but their bed lows just take them to another level. So yeah, it's the combination, isn't it? I mean, for me, I like butter as well because I like the saltiness. I like the, the jam and I like the... I like the cream. So, yeah, I think it's the combination of the perfect um, the perfect thing to be sampling, really. That was so helpful. And, um, yeah, I'm really sort of keeping that information in my head. My mum's going to be so impressed with me. Um, so let's get into the recipe itself. For anyone who hasn't had a scone before, can you describe it for them? So a scone is a... Uh, it's a light of it's a light biscuit, but also is in into kind of the crumbly territories um, of a cake. So it has a light aerated texture. Um, it should have a if if you like a plain scone, they're absolutely fine. But it has a little hint of sweetness in it. Not a lot. It's not it's not drowned out by the sweetness. That's normally taken up by adding the jam uh, fluid. It has a nice golden texture. Normally has a a nice golden base to it, and if you can get nice straight sides, a little bit of cracking is great too because that shows that your your aerations kind of worked in the middle, and they don't have to be perfect. You know, homemade scone is just fantastic. So you know, don't worry if it doesn't look beautiful. I know it will taste fantastic. So yeah, that's what I love about a scone. And um, they're often served with afternoon tea, but what's the difference between afternoon tea and high tea? Ooh. High tea tends to be more a little bit of a savoury gap, doesn't it, in between um, kind of tea time, whereas afternoon tea is the whole experience. So it's the tea, the cakes, the sandwiches. Um, it's the whole experience. So, yeah, high tea seems to be a little bit, a little gap in between uh, your evening meal. And um, you did mention it before, but could you tell us a little bit about the origins of scones? And do you know any of the history or...? I only know a little bit, which um, is kind of in the 1500s. Uh, so I think it originated in Scotland and it was just, it was a quick cake. It was a quick bread and it was very, very basic. And it's its funny when we talk about scones or scones. I mean, a scone just sound very Scottish, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, and then it just kind of, uh, I think the afternoon tea, the ladies wanted something in between the evening meal and sandwiches were never enough. So and we didn't have as many sweet treats as we do now um, from different countries. So... A scone was that bridge to that kind of quick cake in between having your your patisserie and your things to go a little bit later. So, yeah, I think they originated in, in Scotland. And the recipe that you've sent us, could you tell us a little bit about it? It's by Leslie Wilde, right? It is. So uh, Leslie Wilde um, is our retired chairman. So she's part of the, the Wilde family. So we're very much um, a family business. And... Uh, uh, luckily for me, kind of 18 years ago, one of Leslie's dreams was to um, open a cookery school, but she's been part of Betty's menus for a very, very long time. So when I joined the business, we we worked together in creating some recipes and um, she wanted to create a book, which was, it's called A Year of Family Recipes. So it's, it's her take, it's it's her influences, it's the recipes she's made and um, she's made with her children and uh, her mother's made with, with, with her and it's written over the seasons, which I love. So it, it pays kind of reference to that. So, yeah, I think it's a really good um, Sultana scone recipe for me. I, I really like it. It's got um, just the right level of sweetness and saying it's really simplistic. Um, you don't need a load of cutters. You just need some good quality ingredients, um, some a little bit of time, 
Um, and I think, and, and, it, and I like it because it's not over fussy. Sometimes I read a recipe and I'm dyslexic and I look at a recipe and it puts me off. There's like too much story with not enough information. I'm like, I'm sorry, you've lost me on method nine of page 10. Um, it's just really simple. And I always say, read the recipe first before you start making it. Because we all grab our recipe books, we scan through it. And then we look back in the kitchen we're going, oh, I didn't put my raising agent in. So read it, read it like a story first, let it sit in your head because it creates a memory. And then when you're making it, you start to recall memory rather than scanning the pages of a book. It's a really nice recipe. I got up about half past seven, slightly bleary-eyed, hadn't had any coffee yet, and I still managed to make them fine. That's Aww, really, really nice. Great. Um, but the elephant in the room, the ultimate question, other than whether we say scones or scones, big deal in many households, creator of many arguments. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I do know exactly what you're going to say. Jam, then cream, or cream, then jam. Okay. So I've thought about this, and I, I, I think I come at this from a slightly scientific background, my own scientific background, my own scientific research. So for me, it's got to have a layer of butter because that's yes. the salt. So you need the salt. Um, and in the current world, butter is a barrier to cream being an acid. When you put cream on soft things, it almost starts to dissolve on the surface. So the butter goes on first. Then you need the jam because the jam then can just sit on top of the on top of the butter. And then your cream, if you lightly whip it, it just sits proud where if you put jam on top of cream, the jam can weigh down the cream. And then the ultimate thing for me is you should, I don't think you should ever then sandwich it together. You need them both on both. You need yeah. butter, jam, and cream in two halves. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. We're just going to be best friends. This is amazing. <laughs> My husband, though, he does completely the opposite and oh. thinks he's right. <laughs> I mean, it's always going to be an argument, isn't it? The Devonshire yeah. Cornish scar. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I just know I'm right. <laughs> same, same. It's totally cool. Is it well, like? Is no, it bad? Like there's, a, there's a few things I feel passionate about, as Miriam knows, and they're <laughs> quite often really sort of niche things that no one actually cares about. I don't really mind. So I'm just going to adopt your way. That's what I'm saying here. I'm just going to go with what oh, you say because I'm, I'm not really that bothered. Aww. But I just like to watch sort of the chaos unfold every time, say, we put up out a post on the Good Food Facebook or Instagram. I always have to include the jam or cream first and just yeah. sort of sit back and watch all the comments roll in yeah it's always I mean it's like everything we all have our you know how do you like your eggs everybody's got their favorite but I, I think you know when I talk about food and I work with food I'm trying to think of the best of the whole dish and I've tried I've tried it the other way you know I'm open to I'm open um but no and scientifically for me that's the way to do it I agree. Um, and I think you kind, of with start to, <laughs> you kind of start to judge like friendships. It's like, it's yeah. almost like my equivalent of just like, what star sign are you? Yes. Like, what do you do with your scone? <laughs> I think you should be on a dating app. Like, you know, what's your yes, dating preferences should. and how do you like your scone? I think that should be in there. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so which part of your job do you like the most? The product development, teaching, or just being in the kitchen? Uh, oh, a uh, really good question. Um, uh, is it? I hope it's not a cop out, but I do. I do like it for all the different elements. Like I love, I love innovation. 
um, particularly on the scale at Betty's, because it's about taking a small idea and then you have to you have to take that idea to work in all the areas of your business. So, for example, we've just been working on improving our croissant and our pan au chocolat recipe, and, and it's just to get you know um, some some improvements in it and, and trying to make you know trying to improve things all the time. And you could make a really small recipe in the kitchen, but when you scale things up. Scale is always interesting because you make ten of something and you've got a hundred, you know, hundred mils of water. You're making a thousand, and one mil too much can really make a difference. So I love scalability. I love seeing how food behaves when you have to put it in a different environment. But I've always loved teaching. I, I'm really passionate about um, seeing people's journeys from never bait um, people who, you know, just trying to add a few skill sets. And I've just seen over the years how. Um, yeah, people fallen back in love with baking again, particularly in lockdown, haven't we? Like baking with our children, like that's just that's just really warm my heart. Like seeing people having a go because there's time. Like I know we've got nothing to do this afternoon. Let's make and bake. So yeah, I'm very passionate about uh, my teaching because um, I think helping people build confidence in the kitchen um, is is really important. And what advice would you give someone starting out in the food industry? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's a tough industry at the moment. And um, I think passion will take you part of the way. So love what you do, no matter where you start. You know, I, you know, I, I've got a lot of colleagues of starting kitchens just washing up and having a curiosity about food. You know, there's nothing more engaging than somebody who says, sorry, what goes in that? Or um, how did you make that? Like that, that makes anybody want to, to share what they're doing. So have a passion for it practice if you fall in love with a certain skill like you love chocolate or you love pastry or you know you're just a a chef who just likes creating things um go with it but remember to write it down there's so many times you'll make a fantastic recipe and everybody's loved it and they're going what went in it And you're going oh yeah it was a, a you know a bit of this and a bit of that so yeah build on your skills practice be passionate be nosy ask questions Go and get some work experience. Just find your favourite restaurant and say, can I come and peel peel spuds? Because even seeing what's going on, you'll really see if it ignites your passion. And, um, yeah, and, I mean, I've been watching Great British Menu at the moment. It just blows my mind the level of of skill and passion that there's still out there. So it's an exciting industry and, uh, yeah, be passionate. Great. That's lovely advice. And when did you fall in love with cooking? Oh, so... um, I wasn't the cook in the family, actually. It was my brother. My brother was really good. He used to do all the baking with my mum. He was always making millionaire shortbreads. And um, my sister made pizzas. And um, I thought I was going to be an artist. I thought I was going to draw my way through life. And um, when I left school, I didn't really have any qualifications. And um, my careers teacher said, if you go to catering college for a year... Um, you can then go on to any other course. Just do a year catering college. You'll be fine. And then you can choose whatever you want to do. And I think in about... Uh, a week in I was like I'm actually quite good at this and I really liked it so I think if there's something you're good at and you like it I think that's what kind of just got me I just I just understood it I don't know why I just I understood food I understood flavors I understood techniques I say that's why I say it's a passion it's it's a real you're really connected to food. It's all the senses all in one go, isn't it? It's touch, smell, taste, and the enjoyment it brings. I just can't imagine not, not doing anything to do with food. It, it was just what I was going to always do, I think. So let's get down to afternoon tea. Can you talk us through your ultimate afternoon tea? Would you go for loads of sandwiches and cakes, or would you go for more of a high tea? 
Ooh. So as I said, I'm probably um I'm probably more of a savory person than the sweet. So I like a good combination. I, I love a prawn cocktail. I, I know it's I know it's, it's still my Christmas favorite. So a mini prawn cocktail, I'm in heaven. Uh, got to have pink fizz to start with. Uh, one glass is not enough, so just leave, just leave the bottle. Bring the bottle, yeah. Bring the bottle, <laughs> that's fine. Even I'll even share it with a friend if I have to, but yeah, bring the bottle. <laughs> um, start with something savoury like a prawn cocktail, a really good array of sandwiches. Like I like interest. I get bored when you've got uh, the mass of the same thing. So, you know, you can't go wrong with like coronation chicken, smoked salmon, really good local ham, uh, Egg and cress done beautifully, love it. And then I like all the different flavors of bread as well. So I like it, you know, a little bit of interest through there. Pot pie, mini pot pie. Yes, please. I'd love that. And then really dainty afternoon tea cake. So I really love the opportunity when you go somewhere to eat and they say, Would you like, or, or for me is the worst word in food, would you like cream <laughs> or? Custard, like no, all those words should be ands. I would like cream and yes. custard and ice cream. So I like everything. I want five individual cakes, a chocolate one, a fruit one, a lemon one. I want all my flavors to just go go absolutely bonkers. And then a small scone to finish. So you know, have a, a lavender and rosemary scone. So that's the best of both worlds for me. You got your sweet and your savory, and maybe you know here in Yorkshire a rhubarb compote to go with it. So. Yeah, that would be my my afternoon tea dream. That sounds so delicious. Yeah. And I think I've definitely had that conversation with people, well, you know, what's your kind of death row dinner? And it always ends up for me like being like a kind of buffet or a meze or a plowman's, yeah. just anything where there's like lots of little bits to choose from. It's not lots just a little bit. Thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you've got your beautiful afternoon tea, which sounds heaven. Who would you like to eat it with and share it with? You can have um Anyone, dead or alive, fictional even, who would who would be there? Okay. I've got a new crush. <laughs> My new crush is James McAvoy. So, and I say it's a new crush because yeah. um uh just but you know, stand up to cancer bake off. He's oh I just, yeah, I, I loved him and he was sweet and you know. He just seemed like good company and he talked about his children and, you know, it, it looked good on my arm walking into Betty's, you know, I think we'd look like a good couple. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, what's not to love? He just, yeah, he just, I'm just, yeah, I'd love to talk about it because he seemed to love food. He was really interested and, you know, he was on his own mm. baking journey as well. So, yeah, he's my new crush. Don't tell anybody, you know. You know, I've got two children. Mum don't have crushes. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. No one listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds absolutely perfect. Any anyone else you want there? Just a just a little date there. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I've got choice. Um, tell you what, so in the not crush side, it probably would be somebody like uh, Dame Judy Dench because she's a York girl, and I'm you know I just think she's just a fantastic woman. Um, love to talk to her about her, her experience of Yorkshire. Um, and, you know, she's she's met so many fantastic people. I, I just like her character. I just think, you know, and she looks really, you know, fab. Out. You know, I'm thinking about the pixie crop hair when, uh, when I get a little bit older. But she just looks amazing <laughs> and I think she'd be fun and she doesn't seem to stand up for any nonsense. So she'd be good company. I think we'd be in two bottles of rosé with um, Dame Judy Gent, I think, for lunch. <laughs> her and McAvoy, beautiful. That sounds like an awesome day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You can come if you want. We can we get a bigger table. Yes. 
hundred percent. Um, well, thank you so much, Lisa. I think that's all we've got time for, and that's for the episode and the series. Um, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on this last episode. I hope you had fun. And Lisa will be recording the recipe we've been talking about today, so you can bake along with her, and that will be available as a bonus episode on the weekend. So look out for that. That's it from me and Miriam for this series, but the BBC Good Food podcast will be back. We've got some amazing new series lined up, so stay subscribed and find out more information on the BBC Good Food social channels at BBC Good Food or head to BBC Good Food forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Rookie and Nice, a new podcast from BBC Good Food. For recipes and more information, please visit bbcgoodfood.com slash podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. 